there, you're listening to the Park Rush Podcast. This is a Thing Park Podcast. I'm Tom, and joining me as ever is Josh. Hello there. Hello there, Josh. How's it going? Very good, thank you. How about yourself? I'm very good, thank you, Josh. I'm very, very good indeed. Mostly because we have another Trip Report podcast for you today, and it will involve reminiscing on what is at least my favourite start to a theme park day. So I should be feeling pretty warm and fuzzy inside before long. Well, that's good. That's good to hear. Uh, This is, I think, one of my favourite opening of a park as well. So I think, you know, this park is is right up there with the best of the opening uh, entranceways, I guess. Indeed, indeed. And as you will have noticed by now, one, because it's the title of the episode, but also because I will have put the wonderful port of entry music under the opening to this podcast because it's just such a good track and I can't resist. We are talking about Islands of Adventure here today on the Park Rush podcast based on my family's trip to Florida uh, a little over a month ago that we returned. So, yeah, Islands of Adventure, always a good time, always one of our favourites. Interesting experience with it this year in some ways, but still much fun was had so yeah i mean josh just straight off the bat really this might be the best like thing park ost right it's ost official soundtrack so is that the, is that the um, parlance for that i think it is original soundtrack original soundtrack i think it's the best i think it's the best oh it's uh maybe i mean i don't know does it does it count as an original soundtrack if a lot of the songs are from other uh, IPs. Uh, I think it does. Yeah, I, I think I'm pretty sure that even the tracks in, for example, Marvel Superhero Island are unique. They are unique compositions for Islands of Adventure. Right. Uh, okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I can't remember if this was just before I went or maybe just after I got back. But Universal, after many many years of demand, finally put the official soundtrack out on streaming services. So I've pulled it up, and the Call to Adventure main theme is an absolute banger. Confisco oh, yeah. Grill, the Ocean Trader Market, Skipper Island Tours. I mean, all that is fantastic. But then I think even even like Welcome to Zeus Landing, uh, the, the Jurassic Calypso, you know, uh, all that stuff. Marvel Super Island, Main Street, that is all unique, I think. I think it's telling that Harry Potter is not on the soundtrack. They never added that because that, I guess, is not in any way unique to the park. Yeah, that makes sense. 23 songs, an hour and 13 minutes of absolute bliss. Put them on Rip Ride Rocket. That's what you should do. Hell yeah. (laughs) I've never heard anyone say hell yeah in that way, but I'm into it. (laughs) I'm into it. Right. So my favourite starts with Theme Park Day, Josh. It has stayed that way because of the fact, indeed, that Velocicoaster and Hagrid are so busy. Now, for a lot of people, those are now the go-to rides at the start of any day at Islands of Adventure. Unfortunately for us regular guests who aren't staying in the hotels, you are almost always getting into the park a bit later than hotel guests. There seems to be early entrance at Islands pretty much every day. And so by the time uh, we rock up for nine o'clock... 
there are already very hefty lines for Hagrid and for Velocicoaster, which are the two newest roller coasters at the park and both very good as we'll get to. And for that reason, we have maintained our traditional start to an Islands of Adventure day because all of those kind of pre-Hagrid, pre-Velocicoaster rides are basically deserted for the first hour or two whilst the majority of people are queuing for those two rides. Which means, Josh, it's left into Marvel Superhero Island and it's that holy trinity to start with of Hulk, Doom, Spider-Man. I mean, I think given Splash Mountain was gone this year, Islands, which I think was probably already topped Magic Kingdom as my favourite start to a theme park day, this year absolutely nailed on my favourite. High praise, that is. And and I don't disagree, Tom. I think, you know, the... The one, two, three punch of Marvel Superhero Island is a great way to start the day. Uh, if you're a little bit tired, maybe a bit sluggish from the night before, it'll certainly wake you up. Um, and it's just three great, great rides. Yes, absolutely. You're, you're spot on there. Hulk is a fantastic wake-up call. There is no doubt about that. And I've definitely said it before because I think it was 2016 that they retracked it or closed it for the retrack but the work they did to that ride really did give it a completely new lease of life i i think it is still so fun you know for a coaster that is well over 20 years old at this point it it's pretty smooth still it's that launch to to start you off and the multiple inversions that it throws you into right from the start over the lagoon into the tunnel it's just such an intense start to a to a coaster it can't help but wake you up and i think the onboard soundtrack is fantastic as well yeah yeah it's uh it's maybe the strongest start to a roller coaster that i can that i can think of i think it's probably my favorite start to a roller coaster it is just uh it's unrelenting it it, i'm pretty sure i've just got a a stupid grin on my face throughout the whole ride really even though you know you're kind of going through the motions a little bit by the end of it perhaps but yeah, that start is sensational. Well, when did you last do Hulk, Josh? Uh, 2019. And it felt like you say it's just, uh, it was a really good redo. Um, and it was, I was lucky enough to get on it. Uh, and I did it a few times, quite a few times. I think there's one day we did it like three or four times. Um, yeah. It's just, it was rude not to, you know, queues are short, got to get on it. It's a really good single rider ride as well. Yeah, you know if, if you four abreast. Yeah, it's four abreast. Yeah, so if you if you fancy just a quick go on it, you know, later in the day even, then that's a great way of doing it for sure. You can quite often almost walk on if you go via the single rider line, even if the main queue is is getting up there. But of course. There is more to Marvel Superhero Island. Uh, I mean, let's just give Storm Force Accelatron a quick mention before we get to the other two, uh, which make up the kind of holy trinity to start with. That is just your bog standard teacups experience. Then you come to Doctor Doom's Fearfall. I mean, I guess ostensibly a kind of double drop tower, but it's more about the launch upwards than it is about coming back down. But like Hulk... Uh, if, if Hulk hadn't quite woken you up, then doing this straight after it will, will finish the job, I think. You will be yes. yeah. chock full of adrenaline after these two. I like to call these. Uh, I like to call this a launch tower rather than a drop tower. Oh, a launch tower. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that works. 
still very much still very much enjoy the build up to this ride the way it does kind of lift you up a little bit before it fires you up to the top yeah. of the towers and the kind of foreboding music and the doctor doom vo you know it's all pretty effective uh, the ride attendants without fail will say all hail doctor doom uh, which is fantastic uh, so yeah i think this ride has held up quite well and and everyone seems to have the same reaction when you get to the top that kind of oh oh boy you know that just sort of breathless <laughs> feeling yeah. it's kind of like one of those rides in a in a way sort of similar to something like popeye right where it feels like a kind of shared experience even with strangers because yeah. everyone everyone reacts exactly the same way and there is that kind of slight downtime when you get to the top and it's dropped you back down a little bit where it's just slowly making its way back to the bottom and you can kind of hear everyone panting and recovering and getting their breath back and it's uh yeah it's fun it's a fun social ride i would say yeah i always you, you say that about like a social like a social interaction with uh, even with strangers i wonder if you had like an because obviously on this you're all facing outwards so it's sort of sort of next to someone rather than sort of facing someone I wonder if they did someone could do one where you're all facing each other uh whether that would be uh uh more uh you know get on with strangers well, a bit more in that in that scenario well know. didn't we the one we did in was it uh fantasia land the kind of indoor it was like an indoor doctor doom basically wasn't it and everyone was up against the wall facing inwards Obviously, we're yes. probably all too far. Each wall was too far apart, really, yeah, to be able quite, to see. It's quite a big room, actually. Yeah, and it was dark as well. But I suppose yeah. that's the closest we've got to that kind of concept. Yeah, I thought the ride was. I thought the building was really cool, and the build up to it, like the walkway, like the pathway up to it, was cool. But then the ride was kind of dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell you what's not dead though, Spider Man. That ride is still an absolute banger, a favourite of mine. And uh, despite the fact that I really shouldn't be out here because with Doc Ock on the loose, this could be the most dangerous night in my life and yours. I'm careful every time, Josh, and I go on and I enjoy it. Still great. Well, when you've got, uh, you know, your neighbourhood Spider-Man looking after you, you're always going to be okay, I think. Yes, yes. No matter what J. Jonah Jameson says about spider signals and trouble, uh, I find that Spider-Man is a safe pair of hands generally. He will see you through just fine and you'll come off that ride feeling good about life. It's it's fantastic. It really is. And much like Hulk, the uh, the update they gave it at some point in the 2010s, I think it was a little bit earlier than Hulk, maybe sort of 2012-ish. Yeah, it's definitely uh, early. I don't. I can't remember. Can't put a precise date on it. Yeah, it really did give that ride again a new a new lease of life, and it's held up since. I think, and it's interesting, isn't it? Because you know, I spent some of last week, which was the Universal Studios trip report, some, kind of commenting on the fact that some of the screen based rides over there are maybe showing their age a little bit. You know, Gringotts yeah. in particular, when that is even newer than the update to spider-man and yet spider-man for my money still looks really good uh, so yeah i I'm, I'm i'm amazed by how well that ride has aged and i hope you know it's it's there for many years to come it is by far the best spider-man ride if you know we compare it to to what disney offer at avengers campus i think this is the king yeah uh not only that i think it's you know the obviously i haven't done uh, Star Wars 
um, Rise of Resistance ride. Um, mm. But I think this is probably the best screen-based ride I've been on. And, uh, you know, 2019 was the last time I've been. I've been to... I, I still think, in my memory at least, it's looked better than even Ratatouille. I think Ratatouille, the the blending yes. of the screens and the real uh, scenery isn't great. Whereas I think it no, it's works. it's quite obvious where the screen stops and starts on Ratatouille, or you know you have to be very disciplined with where you look. I don't yeah. really ever feel that way with Spider Man. I think no. the uh, they maintain the sense of illusion really, really well. Even though quite often you are going to be looking up elsewhere, right? Because there are things like you know there are explosions and fire effects, and there are reasons to look away from the action that's right in front of your face, and yet you don't ever really feel like you're kind of seeing it come apart at the seams in any way. No. Uh, I, I, You know, Rise of the Resistance, I probably wouldn't describe as a screen-based ride. Like, it has screen elements in there, but I think it's yeah. it, it's not quite the same thing. But I, I get what you mean. I, I think, like, the, the quality of the screens on that ride when they are used are really kind of second to none. But, um, yeah, if, if we're talking, like, purely kind of screen-based kind of motion simulator-type attractions, then... Yes, it's hard to top Spider-Man. It's it's kind of crazy how well it's held up. Oh, man, I, I would sort of... You'd love to go back, wouldn't you, and kind of see people's reaction to it in, what, 1999 or whatever. I mean, it must have been just an absolute yeah. treat back then. Uh, I think I, yeah. I probably would have done it that year. I would have been like four or five, so I wouldn't have... Um, quite quite known quite how special it was i probably would have just been overwhelmed by the whole experience but uh yeah uh, the only other thing really to say about marvel superhero island was that there were quite a lot of work walls up around the place while i was there and i was talking to a friend of the show john self about it uh, when i saw him there a couple of times and um it seems like there's nothing fancy going on they're kind of just taking the opportunity to redo some of the the pavements kind of all around the park actually and i think he was kind of suggesting that it should be something that's kind of all done by the by the festive season so it may already be that it's it's all cleared away but it did mean for basically every trip that we went on to islands of adventure it made certain parts of the park feel even busier because the walkways were just a lot narrower Uh, it was the case in marvel superhero island parts of toon lagoon in fact i think just about every land in the park had work walls up other than jurassic park i don't remember seeing any in there but other than that i think every land had work walls up wow yeah it's like uh when your local council has extra budget (laughs) to spend and they're just like i will just start fixing the roads we won't finish it but we'll start it yes yes indeed so we'll, we'll move on to Toon Lagoon now, I think. I mean, that's the kind of the, the lovely thing about Islands of Adventure, the way it's, it's laid out in just a circle around the central lagoon does make it nice and easy for these trip report podcasts that we do. Yeah. Uh, and in and out of Toon Lagoon pretty quickly, Josh, because one of the two rides in here was down just for standard maintenance, unfortunately, which was Dudley Do-Right's Ripsaw Falls. Oh, bummer. Yeah, a shame not just because it meant that I couldn't go on the ride, but also it just makes the whole land feel a little bit sad because obviously that bridge that takes you over the the splashdown area for Dudley Do, even if you're not intending to go on the ride, is a nice place to kind of stop and watch it or, you know, it just brings a nice sense of kind of fun and kinetic energy to that part of the park. And uh, with it all kind of down, you know, the, the ride drained of water, no screaming being heard. It just feels a bit mm. dead. 
Uh, so, and I, and I feel like that actually, like Popeye's kind of even though it's like right next to, or he's part of Toon Lagoon, it feels a little bit to the side and hidden. So you don't get the interaction so much there unless you head to unless you're heading towards Popeye. Um, yeah. Whereas it, you, you yeah. have to interact with Dudley Do Right. Yeah, you have to get yes, exactly. You have to walk right past it. Popeye's kind of set back a little bit more, isn't it? But I did do Popeye yeah. this year, Josh, which was the first oh. time I had done Popeye in quite some time. And is this not one of your absolute faves? Yeah, this is uh this is my favourite uh water ride uh, raft ride i should say. interesting okay what why is that i mean is it just because of how wet you get or is there more to it than that i think it you just get absolutely soaked like i've never seen a ride a water ride <laughs> where you get as soaked as this thing it's incredible um and you get that shared experience with your friends and strangers like we've mentioned just a second ago and there's something about popeye it's just just makes it more enjoyable i think it's really like well themed actually in parts it's kind of comical isn't it just how wet everyone gets on this uh, yeah it's it's nuts so i i actually did this ride by myself this was my, our very last full day uh and everyone was ill except me <laughs> so i went to islands by myself and i uh i i did do Popeye. i must admit josh i wore a poncho but if it makes you feel any better about the fact that I, you know, uh, disgraced myself by not fully embracing the soaking, yeah. I, rather than pick up what I thought was my Mickey Mouse poncho, I instead picked up my mum's Minnie Mouse poncho. So I looked very <laughs> fetching on Popeye. I mean, it did the job. Uh, I, you know, the poncho kept my top half pretty dry, but from the waist down, I was certainly completely drenched. So I have no doubt that if I hadn't worn the poncho, I would have been soaked through. Uh, so it, it's not like they have uh, toned it down at all in the years since I last did it. It is still a, uh, a monster. And, and one of my favourite rides to watch, probably. So, yeah, if you do go back towards, like, is it Me Ship, uh, Ship Me Olive or something like that? It's like a little sort of play area uh, and there are, the there are like water cannon on there that people can pay to shoot at the at, at the rafts but it's also just a fun place to watch the ride from and you know there are just yeah. ridiculous moments aren't there where there will just literally be an enormous bucket of water that gets tipped on top of the raft and if and if if it's rotated in a way that you're the one underneath it i mean you are you are soaked through just from that yeah, that's uh, it. Let alone done. everything else that happens. Moving on through Toon Lagoon, and and you know we are re- mostly just hitting rides in each of these lands because we don't really stop and eat or anything like that. Uh, I mean, once we get to Jurassic Park, I will have uh, a food experience to comment on. Uh, <laughs> a food but experience. The, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, I mean, usually we just go in the Croissant Moon, Josh. That is the yeah, you know, that is as far as we go. So far as Islands of Adventure food. Uh, but we can talk about that when we get back round. Uh, Skull Island, Reign of Kong, Josh, uh, which, you know, is technically an island, uh, one of these islands of adventure, even though it is just one ride and, and a little, I guess there's a little merch stall outside. Yeah, it's on uh, this. Over the years, I have generally speaking quite enjoyed Reign of Kong. I did not particularly enjoy it this year. Oh, interesting. Uh, for a couple of reasons. So one... Uh, so for people that don't know, this is like a, you, know, you get on a Jeep, very wide. There must be, what, 
force to six maybe people across. I think it depends how busy it is in terms of how many people they try and yeah. cram into each row. Might be um, more than that. Might be more than that, yeah. And uh, from that point onwards, you, you kind of set off. Or, uh, and I suppose it's most comparable to Fast and the Furious Supercharged from that point onwards. Uh, yeah. In that the vast majority. ride, right? Yeah. Like the vast majority of the ride you are in uh, what feels like a tunnel, really, with screens surrounding the, uh, the truck, um, 3D screens. And you're kind of watching action unfold on either side of you while the truck kind of feels like it's being thrown about and, and moving side to side and speeding up and, and accelerating and that kind of thing. Uh, I think the highlights have always been kind of the start and the end of the ride because that's where the, the screen stuff isn't happening because the ride yeah. actually starts outdoors uh, and ends with an enormous animatronic King Kong, which is one of the most impressive animatronics, certainly at Universal. Unfortunately, the outdoor section of the ride is not is not happening uh, they take you through like a shortcut i'd never experienced this but it happened every time and apparently it's been this way for quite a few months at this point with no real sense of why um wasn't weather or anything like that so yeah i don't know if it's sorted out now or what's going on with it but it does take away i think quite a bit from the ride yeah i think you know i i've never particularly liked this ride uh from from oh. day dot um I think I've only done it once to be fair, but I, you know, when I saw it, I was like, this ain't going to be, this ain't going to be for it for me. Um, it's very, you know, it is very screen based. Obviously apart from the two main parts of the, the, the kind of the end and you see Mr. Kong and the, uh, the outdoor bit, uh, it's very screen heavy. Most of the action parts are all screen based. Uh, it just doesn't do it for me. It doesn't rock my world like it, like I want it to. Um, and I think, you know, if you get rid of the outdoor bit and you lose that interaction, what have you got? It's a bit of a, a dilemma in terms of where to sit to get the best experience. Because for my money, to make the most of the best bits of the ride, which is the start and the finish, you kind of want to be on the outside edge and ideally on the right of the truck. Because there you get the best yes. view of some big animatronic bats at the start. And you also get the best view of animatronic Kong at the end. However, the screen bits are at their worst when you are on the edge because uh, unlike Spider-Man, as we were talking about earlier, uh, the seams are very obvious in terms of where the screen starts and finish. Like, it's... I wouldn't go as far as say it's embarrassing. Like, people do enjoy this ride. You look around, you hear people screaming and laughing. Like, But people who think, I guess, an unhealthy amount about theme park rides... Uh, and and, and kind of know how they work yeah uh, it, it's it's a little bit like ugh, guys really like the the sense of illusion really isn't there um so i think for the screen stuff to hold up you kind of want to be sat in the middle it feels like a weird thing to say for a ride like this but it does almost feel like the more obstructed you are in your view of the action on kong the more convincing it is and the better an experience it is so yep. you know that scene where you're in kind of the screen tunnel and there are like dinosaurs on either side and kong is clambering over the top of the of the truck and you're kind of darting left and right to see what's going on and it all feels a bit chaotic um if you're in the middle of the truck i think all of that that effect you know works better it feels yeah. more convincing but then of course come the end and at the start you haven't got quite as good a view of of the best bits of the ride for my money. So yeah, it's an interesting one. And um, 
even I, as a kind of a Kong apologist, was a bit let down by it this year because of that outdoor section not being um, not being utilised. So yeah. hopefully that's not a permanent thing. And if it's not up and running now, hopefully it will be in the not too distant future. Uh, do let us know if you're aware. Burn it down uh, <laughs> and build the original Universal Studios Kong in its place. What would what would the island be though, Josh? Uh, Manhattan. <laughs> All right, fair enough. I'm sold. Yep. Uh, I'd I'd have the old Kong ride back. That'd be fun. Confrontation. Right. Uh, right, moving on. Jurassic Park, Josh. And so what we've got in here then? Uh, a lot of old favourites, old standbys, pterodon flyers, and the Camp Jurassic playground, uh, the Discovery Centre, all still there. Uh, a lot of the eateries as well, all still there. The burger digs, the watering hole, and Thunderfall's Terrace, Josh, where I went for the first time uh, on the recommendation of Mr. John Self. So on the day that I was Ooh. there by myself, wanted some grub, wanted some dinner, uh, and I went there and I had uh, something pretty good actually. What did I have? I had a rice bowl with meatless chorizo, Josh. Did you sit on the terrace and watch uh, people screaming as they came down? the uh, slope of the Jurassic Park ride I didn't know I mean I did go and observe uh, I did go and stand in the splashdown area a couple of times over the course of the trip because it is a nice place to get photos of the uh, river adventure splashdown but um, no I, I ate inside uh, on my lonesome and uh, yeah. yeah it was, uh, it was good mouse, though uh... I believe you know I don't think Universal uh, and Islands have amazing quick service option, but this was kind of out of necessity. As I said, I was there by myself. It was dinner time. I was hungry, and John uh, kindly suggested that this was one of the better options for me. So, uh, yeah, uh, I, I would agree. I thought it was nice. Uh, and then, you know, it's a tale of two rides for me, Jurassic Park, Josh, because you've got uh, an absolute state-of-the-art banger of a roller coaster, and then you've got an old favourite which really, really, really needs some TLC. Uh, which one do you want to start with, Josh? Uh, let's, get, let's get the bad out of the way. I'm not sure bad is, bad is probably yeah. a bit harsh, but... Bad is probably a bit harsh, yeah. So the Jurassic Park River Adventure... It's obviously been there since 1999. It was at Studios Hollywood as well. Before that, uh, you know, everyone knows what it is. It's it's a, it's a boat ride, uh, a tour through Jurassic Park, uh, yeah. where you you witness some peaceful herbivores before uh, one knocks you off course and you head into the dangerous Velociraptor zone and then come face to face with a T Rex. Uh, so. This ride I would still recommend because the final drop and splashdown is a lot of fun. It's a, it's a big old drop. I think it's about 85 feet. And uh, your mileage very much varies in terms of how wet you get. I did this ride on one occasion with uh, the family and I came off relatively dry, actually. I did it by myself and I got absolutely drenched. So the cruel oh. irony was that having done Popeye in my mini poncho, and that done the job and protected my top path perfectly fine. I then, uh, you know, was very complacent and didn't wear it on Jurassic Park and proceeded to get absolutely drenched uh, everywhere that I had stayed dry on Popeye. So that was actually quite annoying. But hey, uh, I won't hold it against it. Uh, the real problem with this ride is that a lot of the animatronic dinosaurs are just in a really sorry state. And yeah. uh, it's quite clear to me that this ride either needs to be shut down for an extended period of maintenance or 
shut down and turned into, I guess, the Jurassic World version of this ride that now lives in Hollywood. Um, you've got a lot of dinosaurs here that either don't really move as they should do, are stuck in weird positions. Uh, I think it's the Hadrosaur towards the start, which has just had a massive green crate put over it. Like, nothing to see here. <laughs> they put some leaves on it, you know. It's Real not subtle. the best camouflage, to be honest. <laughs> uh, there's a raptor that, that has really stuck with me as you're going up the, the, the main chain lift, the main hill, um, who has kind of his arms stuck behind his head in an awkward way, which looks like he's like having a scratch or something. The T-Rex, at the very least, looks great. He's still working just fine. Or I guess she, every every dinosaur in Jurassic Park is a female. But yeah, other than that, um a lot of the other dinos on your way to the to the wrecks are uh, a little bit worse for wear. So um yeah, I think it needs some work. Uh, I think it needs some work. What what would be your preference, Josh? Would you would you close this down for extended maintenance or or would you would you cut your losses and, and, and change it? Uh I think my preference would be extended maintenance, but I think uh, if they're not going to keep up with that maintenance, I think it'd be better to uh, reduce the amount of maintenance that they have to do on the ride and install the Jurassic, uh, Jurassic World version of it. Um, put the big mm. screens up. and Because uh, you know me, uh, and as we've discussed, I'm, I'm not a screen guy. I don't like the screens, um, which is ironic f- for a guy who basically spends most of his time watching television and film uh, or playing video games, uh, but if if they're not going to keep up the maintenance on those dinosaurs, then we've got to we've got to find a better solution that's going to cost less to maintain, and that'll be the screen based solution. Unfortunately, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I did say I think on a podcast a few weeks ago, I think the one where the first one after I got back that. You know, if Disney allowed Pirates of the Caribbean uh, not to start eating the tourists, but just to fall into this state of disrepair, uh, Disney would rightly be heavily, heavily criticised, right? And they would never allow it to happen. Like, you would never go on Pirates of the Caribbean and have, you know, 80% of the pirates stuck in a weird pose or not working or covered with a box. Uh, On the other hand, of course, Pirates of the Caribbean is indoors and there's probably a reason, one of the reasons Disney probably put it indoors way back then was that it makes them all a lot easier to maintain. Obviously, most yeah. of these dinosaurs are exposed to the intense Florida elements, you know, whether that's cement, intense heat or uh, heavy rain, whatever. So, of course, the dinos are going to um, weather over time. Uh, but, you know, you make your bed, you lie in it, I suppose, right? It, it's not really the guest's problem at the end of the yeah. day. And and I do think that they do need to fix this ride up. And uh, it's worth saying as well that a lot of the dinosaurs in the indoor section also aren't really working. So it's not even an excuse that carries quite as much weight, really. No, and we should say uh on the flip side of this obviously the yeti on everest is still in b mode because that's been broken since it was installed that's true um and the paper boy uh was facing the wrong way (laughs) because his face fell off yeah so yeah it's uh it's funny because the paper boy i think if i i don't think i've ever seen the paper boy as he should be seen so yeah 
I obviously know the story behind it, and I just find it quite amusing when I when you go past him on Spaceship Earth. I'm like, that's that's really actually quite funny. Uh, and if I didn't know the backstory, I think I would probably just think, why is he looking over there? You know, I wouldn't necessarily think there was anything wrong. I would just think it was weird. Yeah, so it's, uh, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, it feels like an artistic choice that yeah. uh, they've gone with. Yeah, y- yeah, a strange artistic choice. And then with the Yeti again, as someone who has never seen Yeti in A mode. I actually think that Yeti B mode is still quite effective, uh, you know, and I don't say that to kind of be a Disney apologist. You know, we 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 criticise Disney plenty when when we think we should, but I, yeah, as I say, as someone who's never seen the Yeti as it's meant to be seen, I still think the way they kind of use the strobe lighting there to create the illusion that he's getting closer to you and kind of moving, I think is actually quite good. And uh, it does kind of get me. Like every time you whiz past him, I sort of find myself involuntarily ducking slightly. Uh, They haven't, there hasn't really been any. I mean, (laughs) the universal equivalent of that is to put a crate over the dinosaur, Josh. It's just, it's not, (laughs) it's not really the same. uh, It's kind of solution. It's, uh, it's kind of a bit embarrassing. It almost feels like, uh, you know, you play Hitman or something or Assassin's Creed and the enemy AI, you're like, Surely they can see me, right? I'm like right here and my disguise isn't great. That's kind of how that dinosaur must feel in that box. Like, surely they know I'm here, right? I've just jumped into the bundle of hay with no one else around. Surely he knows I'm here. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. I I, I think I'm right. Am I right in thinking that as part of the transition to Jurassic World in Hollywood, they did bring more of that ride indoors, correct? You know, more of it was undercover. I wonder if that is going to be part of the appeal for the Florida version too. All of the screen-based stuff is undercover, yeah. Yeah. And Velocicoaster is Jurassic World themed as well, right? Or branded, I guess. So it would make sense to up this to Jurassic World as well in that sense. Yeah, indeed. So that brings us on, I suppose, to Velocicoaster, which unfortunately I only did once over the course of this whole trip. Because as I say, the wait times were often very intense indeed and, and were kind of the same all day, really. And uh, it's not a ride that my mum is, is willing to do. So it would mean kind of abandoning her for, you know, at least an hour, which we were always not quite willing to do. So uh, just my sister and I did this one on, on a particular day that we were all there and my dad didn't didn't do it unfortunately uh we ended up waiting for 90 minutes which was a very long time and uh, it's not a terrible queue like there is stuff to see but there is uh, you know a stretch outdoors uh, which can be quite brutal in the florida sun don't get me wrong you have some lovely views of the lagoon and when you're in that bit of the queue and the roller coaster barreling past you you know the mosasaur roll and all that but as I say, it is brutal. There are umbrellas spaced about, but inevitably there are going to be chunks of the queue where you're just straight up out in the sun. And uh, yeah, it's it's rough. Once you get indoors, it's, it's a bit easier, of course. Uh, but yeah, this ride attracts some very long queues indeed. Uh, that being said, obviously very glad to have done it. It is an absolutely fantastic roller coaster. It kind of has that sort of opening to Hulk feeling, but... It never lets up. It's kind of that throughout the entire runtime of the coaster. You kind of lose where you are. And uh, I tried very hard this year to take in my surroundings at the top of the top hat manoeuvre because if you do, it slows down just enough that you can kind of look out around you and appreciate the view. 
Other than that, though, you're just in a constant state of delirium, Josh. I absolutely loved it. It's a fantastic ride. And, and you haven't done it, have you? But it's, is it your dad's new favourite? Uh, yeah, no, I have never done it. Uh, but yeah, it is my dad's new favourite. Um, he loves it. Yeah, can't get enough of it. Uh, you know, we, we were watching you walk around the park. Uh, and he's, you know, waxing lyrical about how it's his favourite park, uh, favourite ride in the park now, favourite ride uh, in Orlando, I believe, and so therefore the world. Uh, yeah, he's, he loves it. Does he like his Velocicoaster T-shirt that I picked up? He does. He does indeed. He's, uh, he's been wearing it multiple, multiple times. Uh, <laughs> he had it on last night, I think. Yeah. It's a very good ride. It's a very good ride. And they have some really good Velocicoaster merch as well uh, in the gift shop on the on the ground floor of the uh, Discovery Centre. There's some nice Velocicoaster stuff in there. So worth a look on your way out or, or on your way in. Uh, we'll head now through to Hogsmeade, Josh. So I guess there are two ways into Hogsmeade. You could either go kind of the traditional route uh you know through the jurassic park arch or i think my preferred route now is to uh if you take the bridge out by the front of Velocicoaster, which i guess technically takes you into the lost continent but then it's like an immediate left and you're basically in hog speed uh that that sorry that is another big part of the appeal with Velocicoaster for me is that it's so much fun to watch as well as ride and there are so many great places to to stand and watch and get footage of that ride. It's one of the most photogenic roller coasters that I've ever been on. It's uh, it's great from that perspective. Some great interactions. Great interactions, absolutely. Roller coaster tycoon fans dream. Uh, Hogsmeade, then. So I think I said last week that I prefer Diagon Alley uh, so far as an actual kind of themed land to explore, if you like. That's definitely yeah. the case. Hogsmeade even though I, it feels like it should be bigger than Diagon Alley and it feels like it should certainly be more spaced out than Diagon Alley, but somehow it always just feels like I cannot move for love nor money. It is just yeah, it's, so busy it's, in Hogsmeade all the time. There. I don't know what it is either, because like you say, it should feel... It's quite open. Like You can actually see quite a large space between the roofs of the buildings uh, when you look up, but you look down and it's just... A sea of people you cannot move for people it's yeah uh, as i said sorry as i said there were work walls up in in parts but even in a normal year uh, i feel the same way about hogsmeade yeah um you just yeah like i say it's, it's tough to move around uh it's weird though like i feel like it open it gets quieter as you get towards um hogs hogwarts like it's quieter up that way and it's like and I appreciate there's not like the shops and the food bits and drinks and stuff, but it's still a ride. You'd expect it to be as busy up there, but no, it seems to be the, the Hogsmeade town itself is super busy. And then uh, a little bit way away by Hogwarts, it gets a little quieter, still busy, obviously, but just a little quieter. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, speaking of Hogwarts, obviously that's Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey. Been there a long time now. Uh, I think this ride is showing its age uh, quite a bit, actually. So I think the queue is still great. It's got to be up there as one of the kind of all-time great theme park attraction queues. It's it's still really, really good. And actually, uh, worth saying, perhaps, that um, we were in Florida when uh, Michael Gambon passed away, who, of course, played Dumbledore in the film. So I think the day it was announced, or the day after it was announced, 
everyone in or a lot of people in Hogsmeade, I think, gathered outside Hogwarts and held their wands up into the air. Uh, I wasn't there on that day, but I did notice uh, when we were queuing up for the ride uh, at one point, there were definitely people that were kind of taking their time uh, at the Dumbledore scene where you walk through Dumbledore's office, you know, and there was definitely a, a sense that um, people were mourning Michael Gambon in their own way and, uh, and really wow. taking in that scene. Uh, I think something similar happened when Snape, uh, Snape, sorry, when Alan Rickman passed away. And I think probably as well when, whenever a major Harry Potter actor has passed away and we've lost a few of them over the last few years, it's Sal or Robbie Coltrane died not long ago as well. Um, you know, Harry Potter fans uh, being what they are. Yeah. They, they do, um, they do seem to honour these actors in in the land when they when they pass. Uh, but yeah, uh, I think I think the queue is still a lot of fun. That the attention to detail in there is is great. Uh, the ride itself, though, uh, so obviously the the Kukaram, uh as a ride system is still kind of one of a kind. So I think that side of it is uh, is still is still great, and and it always slightly catches me off guard. Quite how far backwards it it takes you, you know, when you're quote unquote being whacked around by the whomping willow for example yeah. uh but uh there was it's kind of both both screen sections and animatronic sections are feeling their age so uh when it comes to the screens weirdly enough you know how hermione kind of pops up uh throughout the ride almost like where's wally uh, <laughs> yeah. it's it's always been a bit odd but it's Where, particularly where's budget Wally. Where's budget Wally? But it's but it's always it's always been a bit odd. But it was particularly egregious this year. I thought there were. I got the sense that in some in some places the kind of projection, if it is a projection, or, or the screens or or whatever, would like slightly off center or kind of it looked like they'd been knocked a bit. I, it it the 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 illusion that they used to maybe get away with, like oh she's she's up on a balcony or she's hiding in the trees in the forest or whatever like no i wasn't buying it at all this time like it was very obviously kind of a separate screen and and the positioning of it just seemed a bit odd like as i say it kind of been knocked off center um and the audio at times you know of her voice uh, which at least is the real emma watson on this ride not like um the gringotts ride and the train where it's a terrible sound alike but it was out of sync with the uh with the video so uh um, i feel uh, like i've had that a few times actually where it's been out of sync um, right i've had times when i've when it's stopped while i've been halfway being thrown around by the whomping willow so i'm at a really awkward angle uh going like oh the blood is rushing to my head please move <laughs> uh, yeah, no. In terms of the yes. animatronics, so the Dementor who comes and sucks your face, uh, he he or she uh, was not working and uh, just didn't bother. So uh, it's, it's a bit awkward because obviously the whole thing kind of slows down for that to happen and then it just yeah. doesn't happen. So knowing that it's supposed to happen, you're just like, oh, so that's broken then. And if you're doing it for the first time, I imagine you just kind of be sat there thinking, what's, what's, what's going, going on? on? You know, have we broken down? Uh, so I don't again much like King Kong I don't know how long that has been uh, has not been working properly and, and whether or not it's fixed now but uh, yeah it didn't work at all while we were there so yeah I think between those kind of issues and the fact that again that the screens maybe are just uh, looking a little you know 
worse for wear these days. You know, some st- you know there are marks and blotches around that you can quite clearly see at times, and uh, obviously they're pretty close to your face, aren't they? Throughout, so um, you know, the fact that they're they're not quite as pin sharp as they used to be kind of stands out all the more. Uh, I still think it's a really fun ride and a very unique ride, and um, you know I would certainly still recommend that that anyone. Uh, do it if you're in islands of adventure um, i just think that yeah maybe maybe it could do with a bit of tlc uh what else we got here we got the flight of the hippogriff which of course is the old flying unicorn kitty coaster that's still there and gets some unbelievable wait times it really does uh, favorite of yours well yes well long gone are the days josh where it's so quiet on there that they just let you stay on it for like five or six laps uh that's one of my all-time favorite islands of adventure memories is doing the old fly, uh, flying unicorn um, yeah five or six times without stopping you've got your shops around here as well your Ollivanders and, and the chocolate yeah, shop I've queued and, for uh, three hours to go in Ollivanders only to realise oh, you could go in the normal shop and just buy a wand yeah and they got some live entertainment around here as well, haven't they? So, I mean, I mentioned last week in Diagon Alley at Halloween, they had the Death Eaters walking around, which is really great. Uh, they don't do anything like that for Halloween here, unfortunately, but I suppose they do have the kind of bog standard frog choir and the Triwizard Tournament wizards and witches come around and do some dancing and stuff, don't they? So you've got that going the on. The and the... Uh, sure. Then you've got, of course, the Hogwarts Express. So uh, we did take that uh, on one occasion this year and we took it from Hogsmeade. Gets you over to Diagon Alley, of course. Uh, still still fun. I mean, I, for the first time on this trip, saw what the Hogwarts Express is really doing when it sets off from Hogsmeade. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> because when you're queuing up for some of the horror mazes in Universal, you're kind of queuing in like sort of backstage areas and you can see the Hogwarts Express track. And uh, right, it's yeah. quite funny to <laughs> watch the train sort of reversing along the track just ruins the illusion. You know, all those years of kidding yourself that, oh, where, where could we possibly be going? Uh, how do they make this work? And then you just see the train <laughs> kind of reversing. Uh, like, please don't look at me. They should put a crate over it, Josh, like, uh, like on <laughs> Jurassic Park. It, it, it seems to me anyway that throughout, uh, the queue times for the Hogwarts Express were lower uh, in Hogsmeade than they were in Diagon Alley or, or in King's Cross, I should say. Maybe take I've that into account. Found that the better experience is going from uh, King's Cross because you get the uh, nine and three quarters uh, running through the pillar bit. That's true. That's true. Um, and it's, I guess, it's the excitement of going to Hogwarts rather than leaving. Leaving Hogwarts. Hogwarts. Yeah. yeah. And you're never going home. Not really. Not really. And then, of course, you've got Hagrid's magical what's-its and animals and creatures and thingamajiggies, TM. On a bike. Yeah. Yeah. That's a damn good ride, Josh. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll, make ride, fun of its, I'll make fun of its ridiculously long name until the cows come home, but my goodness me, I'd forgotten how good this was. Uh, and actually, I think the only occasion throughout our time at the Universal Parks where there was a a Disney-esque massive underestimate or overestimate, I should say, in terms of the wait time. So we oh, wow. we said, you know, it was a two-hour wait and it basically always is quote-unquote two-hour wait. And we thought, well, look, we're just going to have to suck it up if we want to do this ride. And we all said, yeah, okay, let's do it. I reckon we queued for an hour, 
Maybe not even that. Uh, oh, well. We ra- we rattled through it. I don't quite know why the wait time was 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 so wrong, but obviously we weren't complaining. Uh, there is a single rider line, but it seems next to pointless to me because it's rows of two. Um, you know, you're not. It, it's not necessarily yeah, going to be much more efficient for you. And I don't think you know there are parts of this uh, queue which are which are okay. You know, in terms of entertainment, shall we say? You know, there, there is, there's a scene with Hagrid and Arthur Weasley, and there's a nice reference to the old Dueling Dragons ride at one point, and uh, the the kind of start of the line, you, you go past Hagrid's hut, and yeah, you know, there, there's some stuff to see, but I, I I think it is generally a bit of a struggle. There are quite a, there are I think two or maybe three rooms where you're kind of going back and forth on yourself a few times. Always the worst part of any queue, so that's not fun, but yeah, the ride itself is just an absolute treat. So it, it it's um it feels like Universal's Rise of the Resistance in terms of it kind of feeling like about four rides in one. You know, it's a fantastic launch coaster, very comparable to uh is it Taron at Fantasia Land, kind of very low yep. to the ground, super fast, multiple launches, lots of tight turns. But of course as well you've got you know, an extended backwards section. You've got some state-of-the-art animatronics. You've got a drop track. There's just so much to it and um, takes full advantage of the Harry Potter IP in some really creative ways. You know, the fact that the drop track section is you getting stuck in Devil's Snare and, uh, uh, you know, the fact that some of the launches coincide with some some close calls with, you know, Fluffy the Three-Headed Dog and, and other characters like that. Uh, and yeah, the sense Rocky. of speed is just incredible. Like you really do feel like you're absolutely booking it at times on this. And of course, if you sit in the motorcycle seat so that, you know, it's set up like Hagrid's bike. So one person's on a bike and one person's on a sidecar. Unlike Tron, the bike seat isn't actually designed for you to sit on it like a bike. You can just sit on it as if you were on any other roller coaster. But of course, the handlebars are are there for you if you do want to lean forward and sort of straddle it, which, of course, I did and had a fantastic time. Uh, it's a great ride, Josh. I struggled to pick between it and Velocicoaster for which one's better. Uh, people like to pick a side, I think, because they're kind of the two newest coasters in the park. Uh, it's tough for me to pick between them. And, of course, as I said at the top, Josh, I still really like Hulk. So, to me, there's just three awesome roller coasters in this park now. Um, they're all yeah. great in their own way. That's, that's the main thing. That's what you want to see, Tom, is you want yeah. to see banger after banger. Uh, unfortunately, Josh, there are no bangers in the Lost Continent. There are no attractions in there full stop anymore, unless you count the Mystic Fountain. Yes, the, the map still has the Mystic Fountain and Poseidon's Fury listed. Yeah, that's, Poseidon's Fury that's gone. no longer exists. The, the fountain exists. Does he still talk or is he... Uh, yes, yes, I did Mute. see at one point there were kids over there having a good old chimwank with the Mystic Fountain. But uh, well, that's good. yeah, other than that, there's nothing going on in here other than a couple of shops and a couple of places to get food. Uh, you know, it's still wonderfully themed, uh, the Lost Continent. You know, and uh, if you go out behind the Mythos Restaurant, got some brilliant views of the lagoon and the rest of the park. So it's uh, yeah, it's, it's it's really beautiful, but it does just feel like a bit of a waste of space. You know, uh, I can't imagine it will be the Lost Continent by the end of this decade, right? They probably would have changed it by then. Uh, yes, I would imagine so. Maybe they should do uh, rename it to the Lost World and <laughs> make it an extension to Jurassic Park. In which case, Josh, we'll just head into Zeus Landing from there, I think. So uh, not much to report here. Uh, one new thing 
uh, for me at least, was that I got the vegan tater tots from uh, Green Eggs and Ham, uh, which were, you know, pretty pretty decent. A tater tots covered in melted vegan mozzarella uh, and covered as well in some vegan sausage crumble and some vegan pepperoni. Uh, they were very good. Of course. Enjoyed them yeah. very much. And a hearty portion. I, I couldn't quite finish them. Uh, wow. But the lineup of rides is uh, is the same as ever. Uh, you've got your Karazoo Cell, your One Fish, Two Fish, your Cat in the Hat, and your High in the Sky Zeus Trolley Train Ride, Josh, which, uh, as we know, uh, despite what I just said, is actually the number one roller coaster in the park. <laughs> yes, of course. Everyone knows it. Um, yeah. And you'd be wrong to uh, disagree. Yeah, I think so. And then we're back to Port of Entry, Josh, where uh, Croissant Moon Bakery lives and is still home to an excellent chocolate chip cookie, which I had every oh. on every visit without fail, as is the way. The, the most important part about Islands is that this cookie survives. Yeah. More expensive, though. I think it was up to 4 29 Josh, which... Oh, it was like a dagger, a dagger to the heart, really. I mean, inflation got to inflation, I guess, but I thought the cookie might be untouchable. Unfortunately not. You could almost buy half a bag of expensive popcorn from uh, Cineworld with that. But, uh, yeah, I think that'll do it. I mean, port of entry... Uh, it's a great we shop tend, as well, we I tend, find. Yeah, we tend to do our shopping on the way out of the park rather than on the way in. And, uh, yeah, there are some good shops down port of entry. The main gift shop's good. The Christmas shop's nice. Uh, so worth, worth, jump, worth having a look in there for sure. Uh, but that's Islands of Adventure, I think. Uh, still a good day. I would say. I mean, obviously, a couple of the rides a little bit worse for wear. You know, definitely seeing better days. But in some ways, I think that uh, those instances are, are just exacerbated by the fact that this park also has some really state-of-the-art bangers that have, you know, opened in the last few years. Uh, and a lot of the old favourites are still very, very good indeed. And that'll do it, I think, for this week's episode of the Park Rush podcast. Uh, thanks very much for listening. If you've got any questions or comments about islands, if you're going there soon or if you've been there recently, do get in touch, podcast at parkrush.com. Uh, and if you want to see all our kind of photos from our time there, then the best place to do that is on the Instagram page. You can find that at links.parkrush.com. That's where all our socials live. Uh, we will be back next week with another trip report from either Epcot or Hollywood Studios. You'll have to wait and see which one we opt for. And uh, to make sure you don't miss it, do subscribe to the podcast on your preferred podcasting app. Stay safe and take it easy out there. We'll catch you next time. Goodbye. See ya. See ya.